listeners. Welcome to The Extra Unordinary, a podcast where extra people talk on ordinary media. My name is Addison. Tonight we're going to be talking about the new movie Suspiria, the remake of Dario Argento's 1977 horror classic. Tonight with me, as always, I have Joe. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. And we also have a very special guest. Hi, Sam. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Tired. My cats are fighting, but what's new? (laughs) Okay, that's sad. Uh, they're cats. (laughs) Um, That's what they do. Yeah. So, tonight we're talking about the new Suspiria movie. I can't wait to get into, but... First, uh, we have a roundtable. So, the question for tonight is, what is your favorite movie with a predominantly female cast? So, Joe. Yes, sir. Why don't you go first? 110% Mean Girls. One of my favorite <laughs> movies. Like you. So freaking hilarious. Brilliantly written by Tina Fey. But start to finish, there's movie quotes that I quote constantly. The entire storyline is just hilarious. Gretchen Wiener is one of my favorite characters of all time. And I have worn pink on Wednesdays, so I can totally relate. I try to incorporate like a little bit of pink on Wednesdays when I can. Sam! Me too. Me too. I love Mean Girls. It's one of my favorite movies too, but obviously Joe took that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, mine would be young adult just because I understand that character. I understand where she's coming from. I kind of get it. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's a realistic comedy. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I agree with that. And Charlize Theron is just a powerhouse. I love her so much. Yeah, like I like when comedy's realistic, and that's very realistic. Yes. I agree. My favorite movie um, with the predominantly female cast, I like Switchblade Sisters. That movie's rad, if you've never watched it. I don't think I've even heard of it. It's about a girl gang. It's real cool. What is it about? It's about a girl gang. Like, a young adult girl gang. Hmm. It's real neat. Is it like their initiation, or is it just what they do day to day, or is it... It's kind of just like a it's like a drama comedy about, like, oh. a girl gang in high school. Nice. It's a lot of fun. Cool. I'm going to have to look that up and watch that. I really, really enjoy it. All right. So, as I said tonight, we're going to be talking about the new Suspiria. So, this movie was directed by Luca Guadagnino. I'm sorry. I'm about to fuck up this name as well. David Kajganich? Your guess is as good as mine. I have no clue. I'm so sorry I butchered your names. Luca and David. We'll just go by first names. Yeah, let's do that. All right. (laughs) So the cast is Dakota Johnson. Great actress. Three times of Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I thought he was the Yeah, uh, Mia Goth. Chloe Grace Moretz. One of my favorites. Yes, she's wonderful. And Jessica Harper, who was the original 
Susie Banyan in Dario Argento's version. Uh-huh. All right. She played Joseph's uh, wife, the doctor's wife. Oh, uh, that's why she looks so familiar when I went back and watched it the second time after watching the first one after watching the original, or actually watching the new one. <laughs> of this movie. Set in the German autumn of 1977, the film begins with a young woman, Patricia Kingle, hysterically telling her psychotherapist, Josef Klimperer, that the Marcos Dance Academy that she attends is run by a coven of witches. Klimperer dismisses her claims, stating she is having delusions, and Patricia soon disappears. Susie Banyan, a young woman from a Mennonite family in Ohio, comes to the academy to audition. Despite no no formal dance training, Susie flawlessly does her audition as an, and is admitted to the Academy beginning immediately. Susie soon meets Sarah, played by Mia Goth, who shows her around and gives her information about the school as well as Tr- Patricia's disappearance. During rehearsal the next day, a student named Olga gets very upset with the lead choreographer, Madame Blanc, and storms out of the studio. As she leaves, she finds herself blind and trapped in a room lined with mirrors. Black resumes the rehearsal, and Susie volunteers to perform the lead role for Volt, an infamous ballet. I would, I don't know if I would call it a ballet. It's more like a dance piece. It's like modern dance. Yes. So It's a ritual. Yes, we're going to get into that. So, uh, while Susie is performing, her movements soon begin physically afflicting Olga, and holy shit, this scene is insane. Like, she gets fucked up. Like, she is, like, slammed against mirrors, her- she contorts- she gets contorted, and, like, at the end of it, you see, like, blood and snot just running down her face, and she's not dead. When I watched it, it reminded me of eating celery. (laughs) Yeah. The sounds it was making- the juice that comes out of yeah. it, just all of it together was like, she's a piece of celery. All right. Wait, does she pee 
Yeah, she pees herself. Okay. I thought that was like spinal fluid. Oh, it was grotesquely awesome. Yeah, she fell down in her own urine. (laughs) Alright, so several of the Academy matrons drag Ogle's mangled body away with large hooks. Later, the matrons hold an informal election of who is to serve as the coven's new leader. The vote is between Madame Blanc and Mother Marcos, an aged and grossly defigured witch, also Tilda Swinton, who has long controlled the coven, and for whom the academy is named. Marcos wins the popular vote after Miss Griffith, the most sheepest of the matrons, commits suicide. Susie begins to quickly prove herself to Madame Blanc, becoming her protege, and she soon is appointed to do the protagonist for the piece Volt. Meanwhile, Sarah grows suspicious of the matrons after meeting with Klemperer and uncovers clandestine hallways in the academy where she finds several disfigured people as well as ancient relics. Klemperer attends the public performance of Volk. Immediately prior, Sarah explores a passageway leading into the catacombs where she finds all the people who are just grossly disfigured, including Patricia and Olga. Sarah tries to flee, but the matrons find her and cause her to fall and fracture her leg. Their performance begins without her, but she emerges midway through, dancing her part robotically on a broken leg that was poorly stitched up with, like, a bandage. (laughs) Her eyes have changed from brown to blue, and Susie's blue to brown. The dance ends abruptly when Sarah collapses in pain. As Klemperer exits, she sees Sarah's changed eyes and leaves inert. Blanc subsequently chastises Susie for interfering with the matron's effort to manipulate Sarah's body. The next day, Susie attends a celebratory dance with the matrons. Meanwhile, Klemperer encounters Anka, his presumed deceased wife, at his dasha in East Germany. She tells him she faked her death after fleeing the Nazis and started a new life in England. They walk together, passing through a security checkpoint to West Germany without notice. Cleverer realizes the two have arrived at the Marcos Academy. Before he, before his eyes, he realizes that Anka is in fact Miss Holler, one of the matrons, and that he has been lured to bear witness to the impending Sabbath. Susie returns to the Academy and is led to an underground chamber with Blanc and the un- other matrons await with an incapacitated Klimperer and entranced entrance students performing a ritualistic dance. Overlooking the scene is Mother Marcos, diseased and bloated. Susie is to be her new vessel. Madame Bloch senses something wrong and tries to dissuade Marcos and Susie from going further. Susie renounces her own ailing and dying mother back in Ohio, who simultaneously succumbs on her deathbed. The matrons disembowel Sarah to begin the Sabbath, but Blanc just, she still thinks everything is not okay. Marcos decapitates, or nearly decapitates, Blanc when she is resistant to proceed. As Blanc bleeds profusely, Susie reveals that she is Mother Suspirion, there to claim the academy and eradicate the corrupt Marcos. Susie summons death, killing Marcos and her most faithful matrons, the ones who voted for her, sparing only those devoted to Blanc. Patricia, Olga, and Sarah, each physically ravaged, plead to die, which Susie grants them. Susie stands over the coven and urges them to keep dancing. 
The following day, the academy resumes operations as usual. None of the students students have any memory of the Sabbath and are told Blanc has left the academy. While cleaning up the ritual, Miss Vendigas discovers Blanc on the verge of death, but still alive. Meanwhile, Klimperer, who was, who was spared and confined to his bed, is met at Susie by his home. She recounts the fate of his wife, who died at a concentration camp. Upon her touching him, he suffers a violent seizure and that erases his memories. In a post-credit scene, Susie stares approvingly at something unknown outside of the academy. And that's it. So, wow. So, Sam, since you're a yeah. guest, why don't you go first and do just a short summary of what you liked about the movie or how you felt about it? Um, I liked the I liked the new one. Um, I liked it a lot better than the old one, honestly, because um, how do I say this? Um, I I let me start with the old one. Are we doing? Are we comparing them both, or do you just want me to talk about the new one? We're mostly. I want to mostly focus on the new one. I think okay. the original is a good, fun movie that has a great cinematography, color scheme, and score. So it's a visual, but it's not that great story. <laughs> I think um, the plot, the plot has much to be desired in the original. Yeah. Um, I think the new one was the opposite of that. I think it had a really good plot. Um, I kind of liked just the complexity of it. Like, you know, Tilda Swinton plays three characters in it. She's the old man, and then she's, you know, the te- I forgot her name. I'm forgetting names right now. She's a teacher. And then she's the mother. Yeah. Do you guys know that? Like, yeah. In the ritual scene? She played Marco and Klemperer, Dr. Klemperer. Yeah. Yeah, that's who she is. Um, I liked, I really liked the climax. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. I loved, like, it freaked me out watching it because I thought it was really real. You know, like, I thought I was there watching it happen. Um, I, I, it's just a very complex movie. That's why I really liked it. Like, you can't really discuss it because there's so much to it. Like, it's just full of information watching it. And I liked it when I watched the movie. I liked to, like, you know, kind of, I need to see it again, I think, because I missed some stuff watching it the first time. Oh, yeah. Seeing it again, it um, just... The first time you watch it is an experience. And the second time you watch it, you yeah. really get to, like, watch it and pay more attention. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And that's why I think... <sighs> I mean, I liked it. I liked Mia Goth. I, I understand people think Mia Goth's pretty now. I'm going to be honest. Like, I get why everyone thinks she's pretty because she's so beautiful in that movie. Um, her character's really good. Her acting's really good. I like that her character is very, um, you know, she's kind of like, you feel bad for her character, for what happens to her, because she wants to do good, but she kind of gets screwed over, as we all know. Yeah. Um, I was uncomfortable watching the dance scenes, honestly, because, like, okay, I really wonder when filming it, if anyone got injured. Like, were those stunt people, or was that really them? And if so, that god, that must that must have hurt so much filming that. Uh, Olga, the one who gets just like celery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she is a contortionist, so most of that was her. They enhanced it with uh CGI and special effects. 
Yeah, but I'm watching the um. I mean, like the um, the dance scenes, like you know, the ritual scenes. Oh, those were dancers. Those. Oh yeah. Was all dancing. So that That's wasn't dancing. like so that okay so that wasn't like you know like um Dakota um Johnson like she wasn't part of it. They just put her in when they do close ups and stuff. Oh no, she trained. She trained for like two years. Yeah, cause that looks. Yeah, because that looks painful. Like that looked painful to do all that. Yeah, she dance like that. That's a lot of work doing that. Yeah, it really is. Like that's gotta, you know, that your feet get messed up doing stuff like that. Like, I mean, I liked it though. Like, I like their costumes. Like, I thought that was really weird how their costumes are like basically looks like they've got party streamers on them. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they remind me of party streamers. First thing I thought was the fifth element. But like less fabric was used. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's also pretty true. Um, I just like the details of it. Um, it, it's a really uncomfortable film to watch, honestly. Yeah, but like, it's, it's like good uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it is. It's good uncomfortable. It's like you're approved. You're gonna walk out of that theater though. Like if you're like, you know what I mean? If you get easily offended by stuff or kind of um. If you get uncomfortable watching it, so if you're going to walk out. Yeah. Yeah. This I, is not for the faint of heart at all. No. Uh, yeah, like... You both had walkouts in your screening, right? Um, yeah. I had a friend walk out, but he's kind of... He's not... He was offended by it. He was just scared. Okay. I had the guy next to me walk out during Olga... Oh, like, right after Olga's scene. So as soon as she was a big old pile on the floor, he didn't even stay for the hooking of her. So we didn't even get that far. It was as soon as that dance was done, he picked up his jacket, walked out, and never came back. Where did you see that? Like, what part? Are you in Minnesota, right? Yeah, I'm up in Minnesota. I wonder how much movie's doing. Friday that he did it. No, Saturday. Saturday. So day two that it was showing Like, I wonder how this movie's doing in, like, non-big cities. Because I feel like it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's something that is a hard sell in more conservative areas of the country. Like a film like this. Yeah. yeah I was looking on IMDb, and opening weekend, it only made 100, I think it was 128,000, something like that. I just lost it. Was it. Only in two, it was only in two theaters in the whole country, though, too. Yeah. Which is huge for that amount. But right yeah. now it's at like 1.3 million or something. Yeah, but um, that's still with like... Still limited release. Yeah. In Minnesota here, we only have it at um, three theaters that you can go see it at. We have... Two AMCs and one independent. Yeah, we have like... Um, I think there are five here, like within the state of Georgia. Was your screen full? No, um, about half full, about half full the first time I saw it, and very, uh, disparsed the second time I saw it. Yeah, that's what, I I feel like it's a hard sell, so it probably does better in Europe or internationally, honestly. Oh yeah, I definitely think this is, um, definitely a film for art house movie lovers. Yeah. Because in L.A. they have a place called the Arclight, and that's where they premiere, like, all the movies before they, you know, limited release, like, The Shape of Water was here first, and stuff, like, 
and it's always full though like they had um what's that the, the Wes Anderson movie The Isle of Dogs yeah oh my yeah. god it was like an Avengers movie came out because all the screens were sold out because it was like the only place in LA playing it yeah so yeah, the, it's a weird streaming in you. California that you've had 184,000 opening weekend of October 28th and as of yeah. November 4th with the still limited national release 1.2 million yeah I mean, it's a good movie. It's just not. It's not going to be financially successful. But they're probably going to make an Oscar campaign for it. I guarantee you they're going to try to submit to the Oscars for stuff. Oh, they totally need to. Oh though. yeah, they, they absolutely have to. Awards. Like, and anything can happen now that the Shape of Water won. Well, Shape of the Water should not have won anything. I don't think, but that's just me. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, it, but now our, but now our, you know, a movie about a woman and a fish falling in love. Now you can do anything you want. <laughs> the doors have opened. Yeah, I mean that. Except for the Avengers, Avengers still cannot win anything. No, it really shouldn't. All right. So, Joe. Yes. Sir. Why don't? You tell us about what you think of this movie. Uh, first time that I watched it, I thought it was very mediocre. But I think a lot of that was because I couldn't tell what was going on because there were so many storylines. And while I was watching it the second time today, I totally got it, totally understood what was going on because I knew where the characters were going. I knew how to relate them to, oh, that's what they're talking about with a little bit of foreshadowing here, and this is their storyline, and this is what happens there, and this is their history, so I totally got it. To me, it was like watching Game of Thrones for the second time. First time I watched it, it's like, there's like 10,000 characters I'm trying to keep track of. And the only ones I remember are the Mother of Dragons and Jon Snow. Everybody else was so confusing in my head, and I felt the same way watching this the first time. Second time, it's like, wow, this is very well done. This is, I totally get why they have so many layers going on. And it's, it's so engrossing. And everybody, as far as the acting, they were, they were totally 120% into their characters. So nobody here half-assed their acting at all, which I thought was great. Because usually there's like one or two people that are like, eh, they were okay. But everybody in this, even the side people that you really don't see for that often, the girl that had to teach the jumping and all of the other mothers that were there, very, very well well done acting. And then one of the other things that I loved watching it the first time was I have no idea where this movie was going. Usually I'm pretty good at predicting where it's going to go to, what's going to happen next. Oh, this person's going to do this, and that person's going to do that. And I... I enjoyed it so so much because I could not figure out where in the world this movie was going. Yeah. Oh, and the choreographer. Yeah, Love the choreography. The choreography is Mind amazing. Like. I, I could just watch the choreography for two and a half hours. The performance the of Volk. The, <laughs> the performance of Volk, like, with the cinematography, just the sound. Because they weren't dancing to music. It was just the movements of their body that were making the sound. And their breathing. Yeah. So, like, they're... And just, like, the way that it was shot, the way that their costumes moved with their movements, and just... It was 
So beautiful. So mesmerizing. Yeah. What's kind of funny yeah. is I watched it the day after I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. And when he, when in Bohemian Rhapsody, he's talking about, hey, we want a song for the audience. He stamps his feet twice and then claps his hand. Does that do-do-do-do-do. That's what it reminded me of when they were dancing because they would stomp their feet. They would hit the ground and they were making, they were making the beat just like they do when We Are the Champions. All right. Yeah, it just, it really blew my mind. Um, when I saw Dakota Johnson dance for her audition scene, I was incredibly blown away by her. Like, she was just f- phenomenal. So anything else you want to add? No, that was all my stuff. That's everything I loved. Well, no, probably not everything I loved about it, but... All right. So, that leaves me. Uh... I absolutely love this movie. I understand that taste is subjective, but to me, this film is a masterpiece. Just because of just everything that I saw and the way that it made me feel. Like, this movie didn't scare me, but it horrified me and it terrified me. Like, it didn't scare me like the newest Halloween scared me. Or, um, like, you know, just a pop culture head of a horror movie would scare me. It scared me because of just like how real it was and how it just got under your skin and how everything just fit together and just the dancing and the music was just outstanding. When the climax of the film in the chamber, like I was almost in tears by how much I just absolutely loved what I was seeing. Like, I am firmly team Quentin Tarantino, who saw this movie earlier in the year and stated that he was moved to tears by it. I almost was as well. And I just think it's, it's a perfect movie for me. I absolutely loved it. Watching it a second time was great because I got to pick up on little things. Like, when the when the matrons are talking there's someone making the costumes for Volk and you can just he creeped me out the first time I watched it I was like what I I couldn't tell who it was sitting at that sewing machine it's like why does she keep looking over it's getting really annoying and then when I watched it the second time I realized who it was I was like oh she's supposed to be listening in okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) I thought she was an extra just like looking over at the camera or something like Hey, I got a featured spot. <laughs> nah, she was another matron. Like, yeah. they all play roles at the academy. Yeah. Um, I just, I love Tilda Swinton so much. I legitimately believe that she can't do anything wrong. Uh, she's ethereal. Yeah, she is. She herself is an experience, and. I absolutely loved her in this. Like, knowing that she was going to be in this, like, I bought a ticket the soonest I could just based on her being in a horror movie because I just absolutely love her. And she was phenomenal in the three roles that she played. Dakota Johnson, who I've seen, I've never watched the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, so I can't comment on those. I have not seen them either. Yeah, and I don't care to. But. They're terrible. Yeah. 
that's kind of what I figured too. It's not yeah. on my list of movies to see, but Dakota Johnson in Bad Times at the El Royale did a phenomenal job. Yeah. And that's okay, what put that her was on the mind. Yes. Yeah, it's by the same director. <laughs> That's actually really interesting. I need to check it out. But yeah, that is a good parallel. I do like uh, that. I remember like actually watching her for the first time in a movie called How to Be Single. It was a romantic comedy. Um, and I really enjoyed her performance in that. And I was uh, I also saw uh, Luca's other movie, A Bigger Splash, which she's in and she's absolutely transfixing in here and in that movie and in Suspiria, she just plays her part so incredibly well. You just see someone who is motivated, hopeful, and determined. And just, it's so wonderful. And there's just so many things I caught seeing it again. And I could probably spend like hours describing how much I liked it. I adored it to bits and pieces. And I really liked the themes of the movie because I feel like they, um, tie into what's going on in current times with the generational guilt and one generation versus another generation as well as um dismissing trauma or not believing trauma and one of the things i really liked about this movie is the uh relationship that Susie and madame blanc develop yeah that was that seemed like a very pure relationship. That seemed, yes, it seemed like, like not just, um, protege and mentor, but mother and daughter. Yes. Like, she, uh, Madame Locke really grasped onto Susie, but not just because she wanted to make her, um, Mother Marcus's new vessel, but because she really cared about her and she saw something in her. Like, even at the end, in the climax, she tells Susie that she, she, if she has any doubts, that she can make it stop. Yeah. And, and I, loved how, I loved how believable it was through that entire, their entire um, relationship through the entire movie was like that. She has such a high admiration and love and respect for her and what she does and what she can do. And I, I totally bought it the entire time. Oh, yeah. And... I just, I always thought it was, I thought it was really fascinating how the movie shows you, like, prior to us finding out that Susie is actually, uh, Mother Suspirium, that Susie was always drawn to Madame Blanc, you know, sneaking out to go hitchhike to New York to see her dance, drawing a line from Ohio to Berlin, when she's just supposed to be studying maps and like her and she has no training whatsoever of dance but she her skill level is that of a master someone who studied dance like all of their life so we got like it's not something to me that just came out of nowhere it's something that we were given hints at maybe we didn't know we didn't know what was going to happen but it's not like it was just like bloom it's there and I really liked it about that. Yeah, I liked that there was no connection really at the beginning when she's coming in and 
hey, let me be the lead. Let me be the protagonist until the standoffish. I don't think so. We've been working hard on this. And kind of like, even like, almost like pushes her away at the beginning. And by the end of it, she's so fully embraced with her. And it's like, this is, this is my child. This is my protege. This is, I love this person so much that I will give up everything that we've worked for for the last at least eight years, because it was eight years from when they founded the dance studio, that she was going to give it all up because she loved her so much. Yes. And it was just so beautiful. Like, and then she ended up losing her head for her. Almost. <laughs> almost. 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 Like, she's still almost. alive. It was hanging by a hinge. Yeah. Um, I went to see it with my roommate the second time, and he, when they were cleaning up all the blood in, like, that chamber dungeon... <laughs> like me and him just started cracking me and him looked at each other and just started cracking up that was such like a good needed laugh after such like an intense two and a half hour film and you see half the people die just yeah. before that so it was a little bit of relief from that too and it wasn't just like there. like it really wasn't like a typical slasher death like they fucking explode <laughs> like their heads are just like scanners town. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ugly. And except for the three girls that were the protagonists at one point, I'm glad that they did not have the head exploding deaths that the rest of them did. So yeah. you got to watch Olga and Patricia and Sarah. That yeah, Sarah. You got to watch the three of them have a nice, kind death. And one that they wanted, one that they asked for. So it wasn't like, oh, you want to die? Boom, your head explodes. It was like, okay, here, let me lay you down peacefully, and you can go just head for the light. Yes. You get the ground. I liked that she, um, as Mother Suspirium, she was very gentle with her, with killing them, whereas death was like, I'm going to blow your faces up. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, and I just thought the whole, like, personification of death, like, death as a actual person demon coming in and killing everybody was just absolute poetry. Just in the way that Susie kisses each of them, the three people, um, Sarah, Olga, and Patricia, after they ask for death, she just kisses them and they slowly just fall to the ground. Like, they're just going to sleep. It was almost like she was now taking over Tilda's spot as the mother, and these were her three kids. Yes. And and she had that love for them, because it's like, you tried to do this. I know that you did. I know you had pure hearts for it. And you just physically could not take it, and it's not your fault, and I understand that, and I love you still. So, wish granted. Yeah. And I, I just, like... Just thinking about the movie brings a smile to my face because of just how perfect I thought it was. Like, this is a movie that I have been waiting my entire life for. I felt that way too, honestly. Like, but I feel the way about a lot of movies I see. Like, I get very, you know, just excited. No, I totally understand. We've had a really good year for horror. Maybe not quantity-wise, but we've had a really lot of good quality horror movies come out this year and I think that's awesome. So we might not have like a billion slasher movies or Blumhouse type movies coming out, but we're 
what we're getting is really, really quality stuff. Yeah, that's true. I like. I'm not a horror fan. I'm really not. I don't like horror movies. I like interesting movies, and that's why I saw *Spirits*. I thought it was an interesting film. Yes, I think this kind of like transcends <laughs> genre. Yeah, I agree. I don't think like. Don't get me wrong. It's a horror movie because it's horrific. Like, it does a lot of things that horror movies do. But it's, like, a fantasy movie, a drama, like, movie about uh, friendships, specifically the types of friendships that young women have. Yeah. Which um, can be anywhere from, like, very trusting and innocent to absolutely obsessive. And... Um, I just thought it was really cool that this is an all this is an all female cast. I think like it really besides is actually background never, characters really, like and the two really cops. Stopped. Yeah, the two cops who are in the movie for like a total of three minutes out of one hundred and fifty-two. They were only there for their penis. <laughs> yeah, that was oh, that was weird. That was really uncomfortable. That was uncomfortable. It was, she, what she was going to do with that hook. Yeah, I know! Oh my gosh, no, she's not. And she did not, thank goodness. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they castrate them, honestly. I really am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, so good. And the thing I like about the Doctor's storyline is because he represents a lot of, um what society has done with women in terms of them speaking out against trauma, trying to seek help for it and trying to get away from it. With First with Patricia and the Dance Academy, but as well as his wife and um, her eventually being captured and killed in the Holocaust because he didn't want to leave their home. Yeah. So, it and I liked at the end that Mother Suspirium came to him, told him the truth because uh, she thought he deserved to know that she didn't die alone and scared. She died thinking about him and grateful for the life that they had together. And then she does something where I don't know if it was supposed to be kind or not, but she wipes his memory of the people, or the women that he quote-unquote damaged, and that was um, because she didn't believe he had to live with the guilt anymore. Like, she believed he had suffered enough with the um, witnessing of the ritual and Sabbath. I believe she did it out of kindness. Yes. Totally, 100% believe that. Yes, I mean, it depends, because, like, I know a lot of people who have, well, not a lot, but I know several people who have lost someone they hold really dear, a partner, a lover, a best friend, a parent, and um, while that death is extremely hard for them, I don't know if they would rather forget about it altogether. But in this case with his guilt because you just see him like when he looks at pictures when he looks at the carving of the house and with their initials in it like he feels so much guilt with what happened to her 
and that he would do anything to change what did happen. So I think Mother Suspirium at the end just realizes he is, he has paid his debt with his guilt and can live the rest of his life without that eating him up. Yeah. And he also really doesn't have that much time left anyway. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. So for the for the few years that he may still have, to have that peace just at the end of your life is, I, I don't know, for me it would be bliss. Yes. I, yes, I agree. And I also like that even with that um, taken out of his memory, the carving on the house of their initials, it's still there. Years later. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. I don't know. I just really liked it. To me, it meant that, like, I know it sounds cheesy, but love never really goes away. Or No, I don't think it does. I think you're right. Like, no matter what kind of magic or death, that love never truly disappears. The truth still remains. Yes. And did you get to watch the after credit scene? Yes. Wait, there was an after credit scene? It was, was yeah. it was a very brief scene. Um, it was Susie staring at the camera or, like, something past the camera and then just does, like, a wiping motion. Like, how some of the witches in the coven did when they wanted to say something that was... They knew they shouldn't say to another person but wanted to and then wipe their memory. And very similar... Similar to how she did with the old man at the end of the movie. Yes. So All right, I... it was like her like erasing the memory of people who watched this. Sorry for traumatizing you for the last two and a half hours. Go in peace. Yeah, pretty much. Like <laughs> I'm sure. Please forgive us. <laughs> I mean, with the movie that impactful, like at least we got an apology. Yeah. All right. So this has been a great discussion of this movie i'm so glad i find other people that like it Um, i'm trying so hard to get other people to go see it like even my a lot of my horror friends they're not going to see it it makes me very sad why i don't know why (laughs) well some of them don't really have might not have theaters accessible to them like, I'm telling people, like, it's, like, to me, it's worth an hour drive. Yeah. Like, I changed my schedule and woke up at 6.30 in the morning instead of 10.30 to go into work earlier so I could leave to catch the first showing available in my city. Wow. Yeah. I'm dedicated. I was dedicated to seeing this movie. So, on that note, because I'm crazy, I think... That's the end of our discussion, unless either of you have anything else to add. I'm good. It was nice talking to you guys. Yeah, it was so nice talking to you. I do nice have a question real quick that I don't know if either of you guys will know. Okay. At one point, they break into the office to look for Patricia's files, and Susie takes something out of the desk drawer, shuts the drawer, and makes it look like, oh, I didn't do anything. What did she take out of that drawer? I don't know. That's a great question. Presumably, I think it's something in Madame Blanc's. It was somebody something, but it, it was so quick and it was in a dark drawer. It's like, And it, as far as I could tell, it never came back into the story. I was like, oh, that seemed kind of pointless. I'm going to but... be fair. There's probably a longer cut. 
That's like yeah. three hours. Yeah, I went past you. I think you're right. Yeah, or it even could be something of Patricia or Ogle, o- Olga's that they have that Susie just, like, wants to get rid of. Yeah. Because, like, she's slowly realizing her um, fate or who she really is. And it's just and then, cool. And then second question that I had, too. Yes, Joe. When, when did Susie or was Susie always Mother Suspiria? Okay. That is a great question, and I'm glad you asked that, because I completely forgot to bring it up. So, I believe she always was, however, she was unaware. And I don't think she was always as powerful as she was at the end of the film. Like, because as I said earlier, she was always drawn to Berlin and to Madame Blanc. And her mother even states, my daughter was my sin. I brought into the world. That totally makes sense now. Yeah. So the ritual finalized it, but she was still kind of growing into it. I think what... She kind of knew. I think the ritual... Um, when she came into the ritual, she... I think she was already Mother Suspirium. I think, like, that ru- that scene in her room with um, her kind of, like, moving fuzzily and the Tom York song... By the way, her naked butt. Yeah, her naked butt, her side boob, I th- and the way that the <laughs> the frame, the picture was moving. I think that was her, like really accepting what how who she is, who she really is. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I I just I love it so much. Um, so on that note, this has been an excellent discussion. You guys want to say yeah. goodbye? Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye, right. y'all. Thanks for joining us again. All it's right. It's been great. Okay. So, yeah. that's Joe. That's Sam. And I've been Addison. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on social media. Ask us questions. Like our memes. Listen to our episodes. Give us a rating. Reach out to us and communicate with us. We're dying for human attention. Thanks so much for listening. And keep it extra and unordinary.